What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming a particular saint that God desires for you and me, for all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, social justice, relationship advice, and the list goes on. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with your questions, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But here's the disclaimer. I'm not perfect. Therefore, every now and then the advice I give to you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, I'm going to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. However, if my advice is helpful though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first time listener, you can comment, critique, and ask me new questions at askfatherjosh at assistantpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, share us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. If the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for other people as well. Reminder, the show airs on Thursdays now, no longer on Tuesdays, so it drops every Thursday. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you can stay in touch with us that way. You can also worship God with me and my parish, Holy Rosary, every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time on the Ascension Facebook page. So find the Ascension Press Facebook page and join us for our Facebook Live worship of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass every single Sunday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. And you can also stay connected with me through my books that I've written through Ascension, Broken and Blessed, and Pocket Guide to Adoration. On today's show, we are going to talk about the dark night of the soul. Shout out to my boy, St. John of the Cross. He's one of my favorite saints. I love St. John and St. Teresa. We're also going to talk about um, dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, great questions. And, and finally, we're going to address sacraments. I know that many of you have seen the news recently where that priest who was a priest, well, he thought he was a priest for three years. He was ordained by his bishop. He'd been confirmed. He'd been in seminary. He'd received his first Holy Communion. All these beautiful things in his life. And come to find out, he was never validly baptized, which means all the other sacraments didn't actually take place. Uh, so we're going to talk about, about that um, on today's show as well. Like, what does it take for a sacrament to be valid? Ooh, super important, super important. All right, but before we get to those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this. I uh, received a text message from a brother priest recently about another priest in Texas, uh, Father David, uh, who did this video about Pope Francis, uh, where he lived like Pope Francis for a day. And I, I discovered something new, y'all. I discovered that Pope Francis, from his video, prays three holy hours a day. Not one hour with Jesus, not two, but three in addition to his three holy hours a day, where he spends an hour with Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament every day, three hours, two in, the, two in the morning, one in the evening, he also prays the Liturgy of the Hours five times a day. He also celebrates the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass one time a day. Uh, he also 
prays the rosary three times a day. All right, y'all, this is the Holy Father. This is the Pope. This man is way busier than me, way busier probably than you. I mean, like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He is a successor of St. Peter from the Bible, the first apostle, the chief apostle, uh, the first pope. And he prays that much throughout the day. Like, I want to invite us to examine our relationship with Jesus right now. Like, how much time do I give to God? And how often do I say, I'm just too busy to pray? Because if we're too busy to pray, then we're too busy. So something needs to change. We, we need to do eliminate something from our life. We need to wake up earlier, go to bed later. Um, stop watching TV. I don't know, but something has to change because if this man could pray that much and he's so busy, then yeah, we, we should be able to give that, not, not that much time, but we should be able to at least give Jesus 30 minutes a day, like 30 minutes without the TV, without the radio, without whatever, 30 minutes for Jesus, for he and I, at least 30 minutes, um, an hour, hopefully. Uh, and then once we can commit to 30 minutes to an hour a day with Jesus, what happens is the rest of our day, we're able to like dialogue with the Lord throughout the day because we have given him some time apart from distractions. So just I'm inspired by Pope Francis and by his interior life. And I'm motivated and I want to be a saint and I want to pray more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Pope Francis, thank you for convicting me by your relationship with Jesus. And I I hope to to be able to just commune with the Lord and abide with the Lord even more than I am now. Uh, so. Shout out to Father David for that video and Pope Francis for your witness. All right, we got some feedback in. We got feedback in from, from Jason. Jason writes this, hey, Father Josh, just recently discovered you on Father Mike Schmidt's podcast. So grateful for your message on that subject and have shared it with so many people. That then led me to listen to many of your other podcasts. I'll get to them all. On one of your podcasts, you share the song Nothing Else by Conan Carnes. Oh, man, it's so good. Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Hey. This morning, I was jamming out to Lauren Daigle Rescue. Um, how does it start? Um, uh, I don't know. But anyways, it's a good song. <laughs> it's kind of deeper, deeper voice. Let me see. Rescue. Nope, can't think of it. Whatever. On one of your podcasts, you share the song, Nothing Else. And I never heard it before. And I'm blown away by it. I lead the music for Eucharistic Adoration at our local parish. And I'm so excited to lead everyone in an encounter with Christ with this song. Thank you for all that you do. It's so amazing to have a cool priest like you in our midst. It's really important for younger Catholics to have a cool, hip voice in our priesthood. God bless you, Jason. All right, Jason, God bless you. Pray for me that I would not only be a cool, hip voice, but that one day I'd become a saint. That's the ultimate goal for me is I just want to fall in love evermore with Jesus, stay in love with Jesus, and abide in the love of Jesus Christ on earth as it is in heaven. So pray for me for that. Now, in order to do that, in order to stay in love, Many of us have to go through the dark night of the soul. So let's go ahead and jump into our first question. All right, first question comes in from Julian. Julian writes this, Dear Father Josh, greetings from Ireland. First, I want to say thank you so much for helping me grow closer to God every day and for explaining things I never knew uh, before about my Catholic faith. 
Your wisdom has given me a new appreciation and love for the church and a new understanding on some deep issues I've been questioning. Also, I never realized that all of us can become saints. Yes, you can become a saint. Become a saint. John Paul II said, be not afraid, be saints. And you really lit a fire in my heart that maybe I can become a saint too. Yes, you can. Si se puede. Si se puede. Si se puede. Since starting to listen to your podcast, I've started to go to regular confession, fast from social media, vow to never miss mass on a Sunday. Again, praise Jesus Christ. Julian, this is awesome. Uh, also, because I've realized what is really important is not this world, but the state of our soul for entering the next one. Yes. Yes. Uh, say a lot of for the people in the back. <laughs> this has helped me to begin to uncover some vices of mine and to begin to break through them with Jesus's divine mercy and grace. I've begun reading the diary of St. Faustina. Great book. And she talks about experiencing a dark night of the soul. Could you explain what this means? Thank you so much, Father Josh. I'm praying for you and your wonderful ministry. Keep doing what you're doing because you are making saints. God bless you, Julian. Real quick, Julian. Uh, so I, I did missionary work years ago with Mother Teresa's sisters in Calcutta. And on the wall of her home for the dying and the destitute, she wrote, um, I will give Holy Mother Church saints. And I read that when I was a seminarian working with her sisters in Calcutta. And so when I came back to the States after my mission with them, I um, I was inspired by that, that quote from Mother Teresa. And so on my ordination card to the priesthood, that's the promise I made to Jesus that I will give you saints because you gave me the priesthood. And so if you become a saint, like that would make me so happy. Uh, you just got to make sure I become a saint too, because otherwise, oh <laughs> uh, man, I don't think anybody's happy down there. So what is the dark night of the soul? So my favorite, one of my favorite saints, uh, y'all know I have a bunch of favorites, but one of my all-time favorites, like definitely top top 10 is St. John the Cross. Uh, John the Cross was a Carmelite reformer, and he teaches us about the dark night of the soul, um, which is a purgative experience um, where our our our, our will, our intellect, our senses are, are being tested by God. So we're being essentially stripped. We're being stripped by God. Um, for many of us, whenever we begin our relationship with Jesus Christ after a conversion experience or reversion experience to the Lord's grace, we are given many gifts by God. Um, and those gifts are given to us by God to draw us to him um, so that we can fall in love with him. But because we're weak, because we're broken, because we're imperfect, because we're fallen, many of us quite often, including myself, we get attached to the gifts that God gives to us instead of the God who gave us the gift or yeah, gift or gifts, right? So we become attached to the gifts of God and we begin to focus on the gifts of God more than the God who gave us the gifts. And so in order that we will not fall in sin, what God does to help us to like cling to him and only him is he will begin to strip us. He will begin to strip us over time. And as we are stripped of the different gifts that we've been given, we will have an opportunity to choose Jesus for Jesus, to love Jesus for who he is and not for what he does. God, I love you for you and not for what you do for me. You are sufficient. You are enough for me. I don't need you and these gifts. I don't need you and this relationship. I don't need you and this ministry. I don't need you and health. I don't need you and wealth. I don't need you and comfort. God, all I need is you. All I need is you. Oh, all I need is you, God, is you, God. Now, during this time of being stripped, we may feel completely lost. We may feel completely um, just like, what's going on? I don't know where I'm at. I can't see anything. I can't feel anything. Nothing makes sense. 
But in that, we choose God. That's what Mother Teresa did. For, for 50 years, she couldn't perceive the voice of God anymore in prayer. She couldn't feel God's presence anymore, but she still chose God every single day. And so we will experience a dark night for however long is best for us. Um, we might experience a dark night for a week. Maybe we'll experience it for a month. Maybe we'll experience it for a year. Maybe we'll experience it for 50 years. We don't know. We will only experience it for however long we need. In the, in the scriptures, St. Paul experienced the dark night of the senses whenever he went blind, whenever he encountered Jesus um, and he had, and Jesus invited him to, to stop persecuting Christians. Uh, Saul then went blind. He lost his senses. And, and during that time of being stripped of being able to see, um, of having the ability to see, that's when he grew in his relationship with Jesus. That's where he cultivated his relationship with God. And that's where he began to grow in holiness. And so the same thing will apply for each one of us in the ways that we need to be stripped. It might be of a relationship. It might be of a ministry. It might be of our health. It might be of our wealth. It might be of our ability to perceive the presence of God in prayer. It might be of our delight in studying. I used to love to study. And then there was a season where I couldn't stand to study anymore, but I still chose to study because it was good to study. Um, it might be in, in, in anything, but the, the goal is the Lord permits this to happen um, so that we can grow in attachment to him and choose him for him and only him and not for anything else. We need Jesus and Jesus Christ is sufficient. He is all that we need. Um, so that's like a, essentially a breakdown of, of the dark night. It could go much deeper um, and should go much deeper. But uh, yeah, that's the basics of why we go through dark nights, because we all need to be stripped um, of our senses and in our soul as well. So let me know if that was helpful for you. Uh, speaking of of choosing Jesus, uh, one of the ways that we choose Jesus as Catholic disciples of Jesus Christ uh, is through the sacraments. That's one of the ways, the primary ways that we abide in relationship with Jesus and our, our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. So our next question comes in from Ali. Ali writes this, Hey, Father, I recently heard in the news about a priest who found out that he was not validly ordained because his baptism was invalid. What makes a sacrament valid? Does the wording during a sacrament really matter? Could you please expand on the validity of sacraments and why these rituals in the Catholic faith are so important for our salvation? Yes, this is super important. As many of you saw the news recently, there was a priest, I think in Detroit, he was baptized as a baby with his twin brother by a deacon, and the deacon did not use the correct words of baptism. The deacon said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and not I baptize you. Unfortunately, Jesus Christ did not give us the words, we baptize you. He said, use the words, I baptize you, right? That's the words that the church has received from God. So if we don't use the words that we received, then it's actually not a sacrament. What happened to this priest was because he wasn't validly baptized, even though he received communion at age seven and confirmation, probably at age 16 and ordination at age 20 something. Guess what? None of those sacraments were valid. So he lived as a priest for three years, heard confession, celebrated mass, and it actually wasn't mass he was celebrating. He actually was absolving nobody of their sins because he was never baptized. You cannot be ordained if you're not baptized. You cannot receive, um, you can't receive confirmation if you're not baptized. You can't receive absolution from your sins and confession if you're not baptized. So he had to then receive baptism again by his bishop and first communion and confirmation and ordination. Um, so, yeah, that's that's big. That's a big deal. Like, imagine if a bishop wasn't validly baptized and that bishop has ordained like 50 priests in his diocese. If that bishop wasn't validly baptized, those priests aren't priests. <laughs> so it's super important that we um, always follow the right wording and do what we're supposed to do with the sacrament. So here's a, here's the deal. A little catechesis. Every 
sacrament that has been given to the church by our Savior Jesus Christ has what's called a form, which is a how and a matter of what. So Jesus Christ, as he instituted the sacraments, which all have a form, a how, and a matter, uh, a what, the church, the bride of Christ, cannot change the how or the whatness of the sacrament. So there's seven sacraments in the church, baptism, confirmation, reconciliation, Eucharist, anointing the sick, marriage, and holy orders. And each of these seven sacraments have what's called a matter and a form. In order for the sacrament to be a sacrament, you must have the correct matter and form. For instance, for the sacrament of baptism, um, the form of the sacrament is both uh, the, the water and the words. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The matter is the person, right? You cannot baptize, you cannot baptize an animal. You cannot baptize a dog. You cannot baptize a cat, right? Uh, baptism is meant for humans, which include babies all the way to the oldest person in the world. Uh, you, we baptize human beings, but we also cannot change the words of baptism. We must say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You cannot change the words. If you say anything else, it is not baptism. Even if it looks like a baptism, feels like a baptism, if the words are not there, it is not a baptism. The same thing applies for the Eucharist. Now, some people don't like wine. Some people don't like bread. And so people, I've even heard people say, why can't we have things that we like, like cookies and milk? And you can say the right words, but why can't we use cookies and milk? Because Jesus Christ did not give us cookies and milk for the holy sacrifice of the mass. He gave us bread and water and wine. And so if we use the right words, this is my body, this is my blood given up for you, it doesn't matter because the, you have to write, have the right stuff. So you have to have bread, water, and wine plus the right words. If, you if the priest changed the words of institution, guess what? That's not Jesus. It would not become the Eucharist. Uh, you might have had the incense, you might have had the bells and the smells, and the communion rails, but without the right words of institution, that bread and that wine and water will not become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Same happens for the sacrament of reconciliation. This is really important, lay people, for you to know. The words that are necessary for the priest to tell you in the sacrament of reconciliation, whenever you go to confession, when you go to confession to confess all of your sins, the priest at least, at minimum, has to say, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Not God forgives you of your sins, not um, anything else. Like He must say at least, the bare minimum, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If he does not say those words, then you should, I pray, feel free to tell that priest, whoever he is, and I've done this before, Father, repeat after me. I need you to say these words, I absolve you from your sins. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You deserve to receive um, this, this, the sacrament of reconciliation. And so tell the priest to say the right words. If you won't say it, go to somebody else. There was one time I went to confession as a seminarian and the priest refused to say the right words of absolution. And I legit got into a straight up argument with this priest and until he finally surrendered and said the right words because he realized I wasn't going anywhere. I was a young seminarian. I had all the time in the world <laughs> to go back and forth. And so every sacrament is a gift that we have received from God. And because the church has received sacraments from God, the church cannot change sacraments to be something she wants them to be. We receive the gift and we simply share the gift. And so um, it's super important that we become familiar with the proper matter and form of all seven sacraments. That way, if we see something happening, we can say something and help um, our leaders in our church to follow 
the direction of our Savior and Bridegroom, Jesus Christ. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we will dive into our final question. Did you know that every single item in a Catholic church points us towards heaven? Make every visit to a Catholic church a powerful reminder of God's presence with a new book from Ascension, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman. The Sacred That Surrounds Us awakens Catholics to the mystery of the seemingly ordinary items we see every week at Mass. It explains with clarity the symbolic realities and historical facts of each one. To order The Sacred That Surrounds Us, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we are back. Our final question is about dinosaurs and the Bible. This one comes in from Sonia Elvira, my sister, and Diego, my nephew, Diego. I love that name. I love that name. Um, so, dear Father Josh, my name is Sonia, and I stumbled upon your podcast about a year ago when God knew I needed it most. Listening to it has helped me to get through many tear-filled commutes while I questioned the direction my life had headed. Hearing your positivity, your random breakout in song, and feeling your unconditional love of God through your words of wisdom and faith have helped me in a much better place emotionally and spiritually. Praise God. Thanks, Father Josh. I love your podcast so much that I shared it with my sister, and now she has her kids. The question I have for you is actually for my very smart and inquisitive 11-year-old nephew who's a big believer in science. His question is this. The Bible has no mention of dinosaurs. Does the church believe in their existence? Thank you for your time. We look forward to listening to your thoughtful response. God bless you, Sonia, Elvira, and Diego. Great, great question. So does the Bible... Does the church believe in the existence of dinosaurs? Uh, so check this out. So the book of Genesis, uh, it, it makes it very clear to each and every single one of us when we read the sacred scriptures that all different kinds of animals, Diego, all different kinds of animals were created by God, right? They were created by God and they were on the earth. So people and dinosaurs um, certainly could have walked the earth at the same time for at least sometime in the history of uh, the world being what it is. Uh, if, if you even read the book of Job, um, there's actually a, a chapter 40, uh, verse 10 through 19, that, that describes an animal that sounds to me like it could be a dinosaur. This is what the book of Job says. It says this, uh, chapter 40, verses 10 through 19. Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then will I also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. Like one of the first creatures. Like So, so that could be a description of, of a dinosaur, right? Um, there is a dinosaur. Um, I, I'm not familiar with like, you might know more about dinosaurs than I do, but specifically a dinosaur called like a, a titanosaur, titanosaur, something like that, um, which is very similar to the descri- description 
of the behemoth or behemoth, whatever it's called, because they did the same things, looked the same. So potentially, right, there was a mention of a dinosaur right there in the sacred scriptures, right there in the book of Job. Now, here's the deal. So God created the world in six days. But one thing that scripture makes very clear to us that is that a day for the Lord is not necessarily 24 hours. A day for the Lord could be like a thousand years. And so really God could have created the world in 6,000 years, in 6 million years, in 6 billion years, in 600 billion years. Because again, a day for the Lord is not necessarily a 24 hour period. And so in that time of the Lord's creating everything, all the animals and including the humans, he could have certainly created dinosaurs. We see their relics um, on earth. And so why would we not believe that they existed? Because we actually have their fossils to look at today. Um, so certainly we can believe that dinosaurs existed, um, even though they might, that name, the word dinosaurs might not be specifically used in the Bible. Remember the word Trinity is not used in the Bible. The word Bible is not used in the Bible. The word purgatory is not used in the Bible, but we believe in the Bible. We believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in Holy Purgatory. Um, and so we can also believe that dinosaurs existed as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, there is so much more to the story. And so scientists have spent so much time researching and studying and learning about fossils and anatomy and genetics and all that stuff. And that's exciting. Uh, and so I think it's just beautiful to, to, to lean into God and how God was so creative whenever he created you and I as humans and the animals we see today and, and even the animals that used to exist back then that don't exist anymore. So that would be my response is that, yes, uh, di- we do believe that, that you know, yeah, dinosaurs, uh, certainly like those animals that we call dinosaurs certainly did exist at some point in history, uh, sometime, place and space. Hopefully that was helpful for you. All right, let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. All right, y'all, I look forward to continuing to walk with each one of you toward heaven. Stay tuned next week, next Thursday, the show will air again. And I have some more exciting news for you next week that I will reveal next week. All right, God bless.